All right, welcome to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Gonna kick this thing off with some audio, actually, from the hunt of my buck. I think this is kind of worth playing. I think this gives a cool perspective for the listen, so check it out. I found him. Oh, oh, always good. Oh, my golly. Dude, that is a golly gee. Oh, he's he's like whitish. Oh my word! Did you fucking shoot? <laughs> I got an eight point in the bed of the truck, bud. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thought I'd just slice that in there. I don't do a lot of editing with these, but for this one, we're gonna do it. Getting things started, if you guys are going to pick up some custom gear, definitely enter code WEXP at checkout. I would appreciate. Also, I'm going to mention the Patreon series because this buck in particular does play into that. Um, Through Patreon, I have recorded a handful of podcasts and a few video breakdowns, breaking down a new piece of public land. And on there, I just feel a little, oh, okay with divulging more and showing a little more. Uh, because there's just limited eyeballs on that pieces of content. But if you want to support the team, support the brand, definitely head on over there and join Patreon. We, we we really appreciate that. But this is a big podcast. This is the story of the day. Uh, this is my buck. And I'm going to do this one solo because I think in the morning I'm actually headed out of state. And Dave has been hunting a good amount this week. Zoe had a terrible sit this morning. Didn't see a deer. But, you know, a lot of my guys are are essentially out hunting. Andy lives about 45 minutes. So I think I'm going to record this one solo, give you guys some details, break it down. And, you know, hopefully uh, you guys will find this entertaining. Hopefully you're out there either pushing for for getting a buck down and this will help you get to the stand in the morning or commuting home and knowing you're going to get some hunts in in the next few days to come. Um. Starting things out, so yes, I killed this buck on a new piece of public land for myself, and I think that kind of started with seeing an increase in COVID pressure, an increase in hunting pressure. Public land is at an all-time high. I think it actually might be harder to kill a buck today on public land than it was three to four or five years ago. Um, That's just because we got good equipment, we got good hunters, and the information and learning curve is drastically reduced. Plus, there's a shit ton of people. And, and, and I think private's becoming tougher or uh, is more expensive than it ever has been. So, that being said, I think... So, I did not kill this buck in an area I had scouted in the off-season. I think that's an important note to kind of kick this thing off with. Um, in fact, I feel like... I have not killed a, a ton of bucks on off-season pins, but generally it's like a one-shift move from an off-season pin a lot of times. And that just may be due to the wind of the day. Maybe you find the ambush point and you got to bounce over 20, 30 yards. I think that's worth noting. But it does seem to me I killed my wide buck that way where I didn't get to the pin of destination because the buck sign was good. I killed the buck last year past the, the pin that I had originally marked as the ambush point. Uh, although hindsight 2020, maybe I should have hunted that pin, might have shot a bigger buck. And the snow buck, I had a pin about 70 to 80 yards from there and saw that buck the day before and then made the move. So 
Yeah, that's kind of a, a quick kind of snippet I am finding that sometimes the in-season scouting reveals the final ambush point. Seems to be a trend with myself. Uh, I Going into this season, uh, it was October 10th at this point. I had hunted a little bit in and around our opener there in late September and really didn't see much. I did have a, a good amount of trail cam bucks to chase as far as quality uh, that I was happy about. And, and so I felt up, you know, I felt positive about going in. Uh, October 10th was a touch warmer of a day, and I elected to just go for a scout. I think I only put two long sticks on my back, plus all my stuff, and I had my smaller camera, and went for a walkabout, essentially. And that was, I had some trail cam picks, mostly at night, of two bucks I was very interested in. I had no idea where they were betting. I was more going on a scout to process of elimination. I guess if I'd have found some hot sign, that would have been something I would have probably set up set up on. So I did this big march, and I ended up on this little shelf, and there was one little scrape that I could tell had been either opened up or was was kind of a hub. Um, and, and looking back, I don't think it was a hub scrape. I just think this area um, had a nice cut shelf, and there were oaks above it that I didn't know about too much at the time. Um, I had come through a terrain feature and ended up on this shelf and I was like, oh, there's some historic buck sign. Might have been one rub and it just had a little better habitat based on what I could see visually from, from some thicker green briar. Um, it just felt deary. I, I might have been a little bit of sixth sense kicking in. I elected to hang the camera at this point on this uh, scrape that I could tell was, was semi-ish opened up and at that point it was maybe as round as a basketball. But you we're talking October 10th. It's not hot scrapes. There's not a ton of them. I just walked a couple hundred uh, yards and hadn't seen anything. In fact, that was the only scrape I found that night that I had walked. Um, and that night I walked about 1,000 yards up and down some stuff. And, and I ended up walking a touch further than that. But as far as the true scout, I think as the crow flies, we'll, we'll call it 1,000 yards. Taking a swiggins here. So let's fast forward to October... Last week of October, it's like the 27th, and I took two hours or four hours of PTO and said, you know what, I'm going to go hunt this, or I'm going to go pull some trail cams in the dark and probably going to hunt some of the scrapes I know about at this point. It's it's that time of year. And it was a rainyish day at this point, and so I tried to scale this hillside and actually got stuck a few times where... If it was dry condition, sure, I could scale no problem and, and get up this ridge system, but ended up backtracking a time or two in the dark, pulled the camera, and swapped the SD card and just ran back to the truck thinking, let me see what this has got, you know, and if it doesn't have anything, I'm not too worried. I got a plan B where I'm going to I'm gonna do a little more scouting at later that day. Well, uh, Lord behold, I had two shooters in the last five days in daylight, one in the morning and one in the evening and I was like well this is a no-brainer where I'm hunting right now last week of October so bail back in there um noted that this particular shelf this was kind of some wind scouting slash that's like a an area of improvement for myself at this point is improving my wind scouting and first two-thirds of the hill thermals are dominating I get to my shelf and note that the thermals are not dominating 
and thought that was kind of interesting. So I adjusted from there. You know, I can kind of shift over. Bill Winky would probably give me a six on this uh, entry route uh, as far as score. Definitely not the best final 30 yards to the location, but you got to do what you got to do. Hunted it, didn't see a deer. Didn't care. I said, you know what? Steve Shirk is somebody who I've really listened to a lot, especially I feel like on the Exodus podcast. And some of these other big wood guys, I think Troy uh, Pottinger and Bobby Worthington, they touch on the fact that sometimes in these bigger habitats, bigger woods, multiple sits in a location is not a terrible thing because these these bucks are, are a little more nomadic. Their movements are bigger. They don't come through every day. So I proceed to then hunt this scrape the following night, did not hunt the morning, go in there, and I passed a six-pointer, and he was dead to rights. Read the script beautifully. I'm two sticks up. I've got a beech tree in front of me, and behind me, it is the ultimate ambush point. And he stares right at me and keeps going, and he was dead to rights. If it had been a big one, it would have been good. Well, uh, fast forward, and now I'm going to give this, this, I'm like, okay. And at this point, that six point, or, or yeah, that six point, he had been running with the two shooters. Like sometimes I get a picture of him and then 12 to 24 hours later, I would get a, a picture of the other shooter. Or I think one time I had him within an hour apart. So I, I was feeling like, hey, maybe those bucks are using this particular betting point. Like I said, I never truly pinned down where a couple of these shooter bucks were betting. And... I think it's a little bit of lack of uh, maybe I'm not the best buck bed hunter. I try to hunt beds. I try to go for hunts that I think I'm going to shoot a buck in and maybe not see a ton of deer. In fact, that was the first deer I saw from the tree stand all of October. Uh, Now, true, I spend probably half to 60% of October scouting if I'm gone. And I did see a decent amount of deer going in and out the tree stands, uh, uh, or just scouting in general. But as far as from the tree stand, ambush style uh, encounter visual, that was the first one of the year. And roll around, let's see here. I hunt the scrape then the following morning, and I get to the shelf. And again, I noticed the thermals are not doing, they're not dominating that upper third at this point. And generally what I was doing, because I don't have the most wind map knowledge on this piece in general, I would get to my ambush point and be throwing milkweed a lot on the way in and then at the final location, trying to be like, okay, well, I'm in here now. If I'm a setup, let me make the best decision based on the milkweed of the day or, or of the time. And I come over the crest and sure enough, I see a pair of eyes and I'm like, shit, shit, shit. So I actually was like, well, I'm going to move towards this deer and try and break some extra branches. And I want to kick this deer uh, if I'm pointing at a clock. I want to kick this deer towards 1 or 2 o'clock because my scent is blowing at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, okay, I don't want this deer to win me because this could be one of my shooters. I have no idea. I'm trying to see if it's got antlers or not. And I never could confirm. And this deer looped up and definitely tried to go get my wind and probably got it. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So you know, Bill Winky scores me a negative two on my access on this hunt. Hunted out, see no deer. I do get blown at one time above me, and I thought that was super interesting. What I started realizing was those oaks above me had a doe group moving through them. And I, f- I felt based on my trail cam data at this point that the bucks were all on the shelf. And I noticed on my way out that day, a big rub had shown up. And it, was, it wasn't it was bleeding, you know, but it was wetter. And it was a good-sized tree. And I was like, well, shit, like, 
clearly there's a couple bucks in here that I'd like to shoot, and they're laying down some good sign. So fast forward, it is now the first week of November. I think it is November 2nd. And I elect to hunt a scrape in a system kind of near a saddle-ish. And had a phenomenal hunt. And actually, uh, I thought I was about to shoot a buck. It was uh, right after sunrise. I see a couple deer enter this oak flat top piece uh, through the saddle. And I hear a snort wheeze. I'm like, oh, Nelly. Because I know this area has several good bucks. I think four I'd shoot. Um, again, I never really truly pinned down some buck beds. But I found some shooters this year. And so I'm looking at this buck. I've got some does below him. I'm not 100% sure what's going on here. And sure enough, this buck turns and he's coming straight at me. And I got footage of him coming straight at me. And I'm like, oh man, like this might be one of the shooters. Just, you know, I, I didn't get a good side profile look. But when he turned to me, I'm like, oh shoot, he's a little heavier than I, what I originally thought. This deer may be a shooter. And I get in position and it turns out it was just probably a, a heavier 115er. Um, a little more solid frame than a spindly 115er. Solid hunt. And so I actually elect to go back in there, I think, the very next day. Um, and I had another really good hunt. I saw, let's see here, about six, seven deer covered in does. And at this point, I saw a spiker. I think I might have seen one or two spikers cruising. And does were all paired up. Does were, were feeding on these oaks. And my thought at this point in, in in the hunt was, okay, I need to maybe bail on these does for like a day to, to two or three days and let them get hot. And at this point, I cannot hunt until the weekend just due to, oh, uh, yeah, the wife worked, I believe this was Friday, and so I was going to have to set Friday morning's hunt out. And I elected to take some half days of PTO and hunt mornings until about 10.30, which ideally I'd like to sit till about 11 or noon. And then I, I, I was able to log on and work the second half of the day. And my thought was going into this, I'd burned a lot of PTO on my elk hunt. And so I could hunt either like four days all day or I could hunt eight mornings. And to me, I was just like, man, I was like, give me eight mornings based on my percentages and a lot of my buddies, I feel like. Uh, Dave's the only one that's really killed a rut buck at night. A lot of them are all morning to late morning to even midday. So that's what I, I decided to do with my PTO this year. And and, and so I was going to like hunt like, oh, let's call it four out of six mornings. And then maybe go to work for a, a full day and then hunt like another three out of five mornings. Just a lot of morning hunts, a lot of consistency in the woods. Uh, that's obviously the key. Yeah, I don't have to tell you guys that. Fast forward to, is it Saturday morning at this point? Yeah. No, no it's not. I think Friday morning. No, how did I play this out? The days all run together when you're hunting hard. Uh, let's see here. I pulled the trail cam on the, the shelf one of these mornings again. So I'd hunted that shelf three days. I went right back in there one other day like around the 4th of, I think that was that Thursday before I sat the Friday out. So Thursday, I go back into the shelf, pulled the trail cam that was on video mode, and the buck I have been 24 to 48 hours behind all season 
daylighted there at 9.30 in the morning. And he's a wide buck. And I did I see a deer that morning? I might have seen some does up top that morning. And But nothing close. Like we're talking catching ears flickered tails at, at 100 yards, maybe 60. And I noticed when I left that morning, I had a lot of good tracks. Um, behind the camera, coming in and off uh, of the shelf. I noticed another scrape had opened up on the shelf that was like a little bit off of the other two that, that I'd been seeing the last week of October. And the track got me because the, the track avoided the camera, I felt. And I don't know if it was the buck I shot or not. Um, but at this point, you know, if you look at this trail camera, I, I knew there was two shooters in there. And now I've got a third and it's the one buck I've been chasing. Well, maybe maybe I pushed him off the hillside I hunted in early October and he's back over here. I did have a trail cam fail. Had a Byron Horton special, if you will, where I left it in setup mode. So that was great. My best, my jet, my best trail camera from like, Let's call it September to October 10th. I refreshed uh, probably around October 10th and had two solid bucks, probably two of the three biggest bucks I, I was chasing all season, and I left it in setup mode, so I had no detail on what's going on from the 10th through uh, November 2nd or whenever I was in there. I was like, Jesus, Horton, get it together. So I had that faux pas. and sat the Friday morning out, had to do a full day of work and do the dad thing. Elected to then, and Dave told me not to do this. I said, Dave, I think I'm going to go sit that scrape. I said, I, I saw a couple good tracks. A third scrape has opened up. And I said, if we just go on raw, three shooters had hit this area in daylight in the last eight days. I feel like that's a good chance, right? Two of these probably were bigger bucks than anything I'd ever shot. So, so now you're talking a better caliber has been in there even, you know? I'm like, I think I'm going to go right back in there. And he was like, nah, you need to go a whole new area. He, you know, he's kind of pushing me to, to pull out. And I, I kind of, I, I just felt, I felt based on what I saw, it was, it was, it was a matter of time. And I got the video of the, the, the wide buck I'd been chasing. I was like, I got to go back in there. And sure enough, man, go in there Saturday morning. And I still don't have the best access because I kicked the deer off low. So Bill Winky scores me another negative two on my entry route. Uh, and I don't know how to get in there. I tried two or three ways and I just, I, I felt like I always bumped at least one deer or, or saw deer. It, 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 I don't know what to do. I'll figure it out, I guess, in the off season. But I, I get to the shelf and I only kick the one deer early and I'm like, sweet, I'm in here. Uh, I, I'm throwing my milkweed and at the time, let's call it, it, it was blowing to 12 o'clock on the clock. I'm like, okay, so that means I got to leave a little extra ground sign. I got to get to the other side of the scrape. So I'm essentially set up on the downwind side. And I'm debating in the dark. Okay, do I go to the big tree that is, is pretty big? Or do I tuck in low to this small tree with a beech tree next to it? And I knew this shelf, the wind kind of got a little funky. And so I was like, well, I'd kind of like to be higher if the wind does do like a, almost like a tide pulls like 12 o'clock, six o'clock at, at points. Maybe most of the morning it's blowing to my six, which that's what it was predicted to. But occasionally it would blow to the 12. So, and obviously I'm throwing milkweed and it's blown to 12 as I'm setting up. So I'm not going to set up for failure at this point. And so I set up in this big tree and I have the eight foot... Uh, custom gear buckle of straps on my first stick and I get around the tree just fine with that 
I go to put my second stick on the tree and I can't get it around. This tree is that big. It, uh, it's a beast. And I'm like, well, shit. So I drop back down. I'm sitting there on the ground in the headlamp. And I know in my bag I have an extra strap. So I tie two straps together and I'm no Boy Scout. So I just do a bunch of loops and knots and call it good. I figure if I tie enough of them in there, they're bound to hold. And I get it around the tree, and it's one of those you got to like put the strap on the stick and like really feed it to your other hand, and it's it's not an easy setup. I feel like basketball round trees super easy to set up in, but this guy is a beast. Uh, at this point, I get to hunting height uh, with a big, you know, I have an aider on my second stick, I have an aider on the first stick. That's a real tall climbing aider, and I'm hunting above the particular scrapes. I think these bucks are going to work. So good to go. Get the the at this point I go to ditch the third stick and in my okayest mo- hunter moment I look okay there there's my bow there's my pack I'm gonna throw this stick in this direction there's no green briar boom it hits a rock and sounds like a tuning fork in the woods I'm like great stealth mode engaged not not what you want let me grab another beer so. Go to, I got the stand in there. I elect to put my camera arm actually on this tree in front of me. I think it was a small maple about softball round, but I knew based on the big ass tree I was in, I was probably not going to get my camera arm strap all the way around the big one and get that set up. It took me a time or two to get it um, fully in position. I had it the strap too, too tight. So, you know, I'm kind of sweating, you know, it's not, it, this is not a smooth setup at this point. I go to raise up my bow, and I pull the old rookie of the year and smash that riser right into my stand. So, you know, you guys have all these debacles in your running gun setups and think the hunt's over. Sometimes it's not. And true, I was early. Uh, I do tend to go early. I think that sometimes helps in these faux pas. And it's just going to happen. It just it wasn't stealth mode day for me, I guess. Dave would have straight left the woods and retired. And I told him all this after the hunt. I'm like, look, dude, like I have some, some, some bad hunts myself. Uh, you know, I think that's important to tell people that, that are mobile hunting or doing this. Talk about some of these failures, show what sucks. You know, I, by no means in perfect access, like Bill Winky and the Drury's, this is real life. <clears throat> so after I tuning fork my riser off my stand, I, Finally get in there and settled in, and it's cold morning, so I got the the boot covers over the uh, the shoes, and I'm sitting there. And sure enough, the one tree that I was going to sit in, if the wind would have blown true east, uh, like I said, if it was going to blow six o'clock, I look over and there's a buck working this scrape. I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, son of a gun! And I can see it's a pretty solid buck. I can see a solid rack. He's definitely a bigger body. Like I'm, I did. I dare not bring my binos up because at this point he is thirty yards, and I am reaching for the bow, and I am debating about shooting this deer hard, hardcore debating about shooting this deer. And I'm looking at him. I'm trying to gauge him. Does he have brows? Does he have twos, threes? Like what? What does he have? Because I can't see him because of uh, just cover and distance in between. And he he works that, and at this point I can feel the wind on my back of the neck going. And so the wind is no longer blowing at 12 o'clock. It is blowing 6 o'clock and and angling towards this deer. I can't tell if he catches me or the fact I kind of walked right where he is at this point. And I'm still debating on shooting this deer. And he's going left and he's going right. 
he kind of knew something funky was up, but I think he wanted to get to that that scrape, you know. And at this point, I elect not to shoot him. I said, this year, you know, I'm going to push for something I want to put on the wall, essentially. I, I think I wanted to shoot a little bit better buck. And so I, I, I made the hard choice, and I passed him. This deer, I think, ends up catching uh, enough ground scent or, or truly my scent blowing, and he gets out of Dodge. And I should say this, too. At the start of the morning, I watched about three does work that oak flat above me. And at that point, my wind was blowing, too. Um, and it, 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 I, they didn't catch my wind. Uh, so, so I think the thermals were sucking it down. I'm not 100% sure how they didn't catch my wind, to be completely honest. Maybe it was bouncing up and doing the old tidal wave. I got no idea. They should have caught my wind, but they didn't. But I'm feeling good because I know these does pass through this area. I think some of these bucks that have laid some of the tracks down, some of the scrapes, they, they're going to just see if one of these does finally gets gets hot and they should they should daylight here. Trail cam told me so. The good tracks tell me so. The, the rub, I mean, it's on. And I look up. 20 minutes after that buck, that tweener buck, and I just see a solid frame step onto the shelf, and no doubter is what I, I told the guys. No doubt I'm trying to shoot this deer. Can't really see his body. Don't know how many points he has, but it just, the solid frame appears, and I know this is, this is a buck I want to shoot. So my camera arm is on that maple there in front of me. It's like on the nose of the stand, essentially. And this buck comes in, and the video footage of this thing is this is I've I've got the best footage of of this whole thing at this point. I think this is probably going to be one of my better films based on oh some of the video I've captured of the whole process. But so he comes, and I'm putting the camera on the right side of that maple, on the left side of the maple, and I go back and forth about two to three times, right. Because he's working his way, uh, let's say he popped out at probably 35-ish, and he's angling right to the scrape, and the scrape is like 22. And he he ends up on top of, uh, of the scrape, and at this point, my camera is behind the maple tree. Like, I am not getting footage. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm like, dude. I was like, I made a choice. I bumped that camera out to the right side of that maple tree, and he is looking then down the hill away from me at this point. And I'm like, no shit. Like, get to full draw. And he's he takes a few more steps and, again, looks downhill. And I'm like, I, I can go over top the branch at this point that, that was kind of blocking. I was like, I can go over top that. And I was like, he's 22 yards. I settled the pin. I actually, I've been working on staying conscious during these final few seconds. I can remember hitting the pin on the vitals, and I didn't jam that first trigger instinct. I let it settle, and I said, he's 22, so let's hold an inch higher. And I watched that blue Luminoc just bury where it's supposed to go. And uh, he bounds off. And runs about 40 yards and I see him stop and he looks around. And he looks and he looks and he then, you know, in my head I see him fall over. Like I see him take his tumble and on video he takes the tumble. So shots on video, falls on video. And and dude, he I've got footage of him coming in. It is one of my best kill shot uh, video solo film jobs I've done. 
And so he falls, and I think I see him fall, and I, you know, I kind of say some stuff on camera that makes me think it. I kind of calm down, let's call it after 10, 20 minutes, and uh, then you kind of doubt. I feel like until I put my hands on it, I've seen so many things uh, with whitetail experience, myself, the whole crew. Hell, I lost the deer I ever had the best blood trail on. It's it's one of those things that I, I, I just sometimes doubt creeps in. So I uh, I take my stand down, or I go to take my stand down, and I turn around, and here comes like a, I don't know, 90, 100-inch, I don't even know what he is. I videoed him. Uh, he comes in, and, and I'm like, well, this is cool. Let me video this. So I get some footage of this deer. Dude, this deer is slamming acorns slamming acorns and he ends up working towards where the buck fell and i don't see that deer ever like spook or like look at like a dead deer on the ground like i would have thought you know this deer probably walked within 10 15 yards of, of where that buck fell and at first i was like he's gonna go try and fight my buck um, but yeah he never acted like there was another deer over there so i thought that was odd you know it puts a little doubt in your head so I get down, and before I take the stand down, I leave the stand in the tree so I can kind of gauge of where that buck was and my shot angle and find my arrow. And I do find my arrow, and it's painted. Um, you know, and so that makes me feel really good. And I didn't see any start of, of the blood at this point. And, and I was like, huh. I was like, well, but my arrow is soaked. Um you know, and I heard a decent noise when it hit, and, and that blue luminot kind of, you know, I, I thought I knew where that arrow hit, and it was good. He was kind of slight quarter two, looking away, um, pass through, so you generally think you get all the goods. And so I go back, I take my stand down, and I kind of uh, follow some kicked up leaves for a little bit, and I was like, well, I know he, he jumped on this logging run. I'm not the best blood tracker. I'm a little bit colorblind, and especially on the red and orange side of things. So I jump on the logging road, walk down there about 40, 50 yards where I seen him go down, and I find, like, painted red carpet at this point. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I see what's going on here. And I follow it, like, two steps, and I look up, and... I can just see a, a solid G2 frame sticking up out of the ground and a white belly. And I'm like, oh my word. And I walk up on him. And I just, you know, you pour so much into it. And, and, and you know, I, I, I recognized he was a white coat. Uh, that kind of, uh, I, I had a recording going and I, I stopped it because I was so enamored with this white coat. And it was it was one of those things that it was just so cool. I didn't recognize the buck. I don't know if he had just dodged the trail cam photos and videos for the last month, or maybe maybe a hot doe ran up that hillside, and that's why I had all the buck action. But for whatever reason, you know, it was it, it, it was just an outstanding moment. It, it, Sometimes a little tough to put into words. I, I think I'm a very passionate deer hunter. And, um, you know, when it all does come together, it's, it's, it's such a cool feeling. And, you know, I, I just, I'm struggling to come to words. But, you know, I really just soak in how they look when, when they've fallen. 
because that's like the image that I feel like is burned into my eyes or, or my memory. Like, you know, not I remember how he came in, and then I remember finding him. Like, those are the two images of this deer that are just burned into my eyes. Yeah, I dude, I literally take a, a ton of photos and video after the hunt, but like, it's always how they come in and how you see them. Every buck that's just burned into my memory, and, and so I find him, and I have no signal. So, so I can never, this seems to be a, a problem of mine. I, I shoot these bucks and I never have signal to call Dave or Andy from the, from the location or, or anybody at this point. But, and the good news is it was the easiest, uh, drag job, uh, in, in 10 years, maybe even, tw- maybe all time. I cannot remember an easier drag because it was majority downhill. It was decently far, but it was majority downhill. Um, so I, uh, I kind of soak it in for about 10 minutes. I stand there with the deer. I've got all my, my clothes on, you know, I put the bow down and I really just look around and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and checking out his fur and his rack. And I mean, just tickled to death with how the, how, how it played out. Uh, not only to get the encounter, to pull it off, to, to stay conscious during the shot, uh, to trust the gut to keep going in there. You know, I've talked about this, I think a lot on this podcast and maybe the Patreon podcast, but being okay with hunting a stand site or an ambush point a couple of times. I think I was very guilty rewind three to four years ago, maybe even, maybe even as little as two, but I got to move. I got to move. I got to, you know, find, and, and I think there is something to that. And maybe that, 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 don't get me wrong, the power of the first sit has killed more bucks for me than anything else. But occasionally you find the, 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 the system that works for the rut. And maybe it is sitting out the best X, Y, and Z feature. And yeah, man, it, it, it happened. You know, you, I kept telling myself, trust the process. Uh, I had a phone call with Jake Bush and we're talking about, hey, I know about X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I just, I got to trust the process. When I get my opportunity, I have to capitalize in the final 10 seconds, but I'm going to get that opportunity. I've got enough uh, time elected in that final week of October and the first couple of weeks in November that I should, I should have an encounter. Uh, whether or not that's at 30 yards, 18, can you pull it off in that final 10 seconds? Because that is such a big part of bow hunting, um, you know, being able to close the deal. So uh, at this point, I, I take a, a couple of my layers, my my uh, oh tree stand and sticks down to the truck, grab the sled and a bottle of water, and head back up with some a knife and some some dragging items. Uh, I always bring my lineman's belt, and I'm glad I did. Um, because I, I found a stick and was able to wrap the lineman's belt around the, the, uh, the stick and kind of give me a good solid handle. And I put that deer in the jet sled. And honestly, the hardest part is getting that deer in, in the, the jet sled. Sometimes it wants to take off or, uh, getting the, both the head and, uh, ass of that deer in a jet sled is a little difficult. I just did a video on, on packing out or getting deer out the woods. And I do think the jet sled's a solid option for the solo guy. You don't have to lift that deer off the ground as much as, as dragon, obviously. A cart, cart does decent. I've heard mixed reviews on the four-wheel carts. Definitely never buy a one-wheel cart. 
uh, driving a wheelbarrow works really well for like 60 pounds of mulch, but you put like 150, 180 pound gutted buck in there. Good luck, buddy, with your forearms. I, uh, I, this is a good story for the podcast. I bought a single wheel deer cart at the Deer and Turkey Expo. I think the f- second year out of college. So I'm like 24, right? They probably had a 60 or 80 pound dummy in that thing. And I said, oh yeah, this will work great in the woods. Dude, I shot my first biggest buck. Um, you know, he's probably 200 pounds on the hoof or whatever. Like like a solid uh, 30s 10. Went to drag him up one hillside, even on a logging road, and about died. I can remember it got so steep at one point, I took him off the cart and was just inchworming him up the hill. But yeah, never buy a one-wheeled cart. Story of the day. So I get the deer out. Um, that you know was great, and then uh, gave a couple phone calls to 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 a handful of guys: uh, Dave, Andy, uh, Jake Bush. And uh, end of the day, ended up at Dave's house for a deer and beer party. Party in the you know that's always the best time. Uh, we sat in the tailgate. Andy was there, and uh, we, we we drank some beers and just reminisced, showed footage. That to me is the is the best of anything i you know it's your buddies you know at this point in our lives we don't get to cut up as much as we'd like you know we got commitments with family but that just couple hours there in the driveway it was a beautiful evening dave we had the we had the modellas going and dave was putting us uh oh some of the uh oh mexican seasoning salt and a shot of lime in them and let me tell you they were going down easy uh, but yeah, that was, that was, that is my, my Ohio buck for, for 2021, uh, a, a very unique buck, a solid fr- you know, just frame, uh, of an animal, uh, could not be happier, honestly, uh, pumped, uh, for sure. I, I definitely uh, appreciate you guys pushing the like button and, and, and telling me good job on, on social media. That means a lot, a lot to me. Um, I try to paint a real world picture and, and, uh, you know, could not be happier with how, how the events played out, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I, I think at this point I'm going to hunt with my sister in Ohio a little bit, maybe go to the family farm. And, uh, I do have an out of state tag that I think I'm going to start pursuing as of tomorrow. But, uh, I've burned through a lot of PTO, so I don't know how much I'm truly going to get to hunt the remainder of the year. It's going to be sparingly that is for sure. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hope you enjoy the audio segment. As far as the film, I think I'm going to do this one right. I have a lot of good footage from the year. I think I can put together a very good story. I think a story the, the team hard-earned bucks would appreciate. So I think I'm going to wait. I don't want to rush this one. I'm going to go hunt right now. I'm going to uh, hopefully build this thing out and, and get it out at a later date. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Team Hard and Bucks, we are out.